we're One Direction from Hollister, California. You're listening to P.F.'s Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, Adam Spiegelman of the podcast Proudly Resents and Dream Tweet discusses not only podcasting, but how you can get yourself on your favorite daytime TV courtroom show. Put in the description all the good details. You know, I'm suing my sister, I'm suing my brother, uh, just, just to make it sound interesting. We'll hear more from Adam in just a little bit. Vice President Biden is going to Skype us, but first, as always, fake news. Fake news with me. Nevada, a general election battleground, ranks 25th in donations from its residents to presidential candidates in this election, but the state is second in donations to super PACs fueled by a $25 million donation from a single household, that of casino mogul Sheldon Adelson and his wife Miriam. Las Vegas Sands chairman and CEO Sheldon Adelson and his wife made a $25 million donation to the super PAC that supported Newt Gingrich. And you thought you lost a lot of money making bets in Las Vegas. Two CVS pharmacies in Florida did not ignore growing oxycotton abuse when they dispensed more of the powerful painkiller than any other pharmacy in the state, attorneys for the drugstore chain said in a federal administrative court. The store was thoroughly investigated by the Florida Attorney General, the DEA, and Rush Limbaugh by his housekeeper. Republican Mitt Romney on Tuesday accused President Barack Obama of politicizing the death of Osama bin Laden a year ago, but said it was totally appropriate for him to claim credit for ordering the U.S. military raid that ended with the terrorist leader's death in a hideout in Pakistan. Many conservative pundits and politicians said this week that the president should have also thanked former President Bush and former Vice President Dick Cheney, because if they hadn't ignored the August 6, 2001 presidential daily briefing, none of this would have been possible. The murder suspect in the Trayvon Martin murder case may be in hiding, but he's highly visible on the internet. George Zimmerman's defense team has set up a Twitter account, a Facebook page, and a website for the Neighborhood Watch volunteer who has been in seclusion following a series of death threats. Zimmerman also has a Pinterest page called Vigilantes and Unarmed Teenagers. Documents show New Mexico Governor Susana Martinez's grandfather came to the U.S. legally, removing a potential roadblock for the Republican mentioned as a possible running mate for Mitt Romney. The Associated Press found documents showing Aldolfo R. Martinez was lawfully admitted to the United States in 1918 as a permanent resident and then became a citizen in 1942. Details that the governor did not know. No one has asked for a long-form birth certificate, however. Martinez told the Associated Press that the information about her grandfather is not relevant to her political future. She said she is not interested in becoming vice president and family obligations would prevent her from moving to Washington, D.C. And as Romney's vice president, she would have to be paid. George Harrison's Living in the Material World has been released by HBO. Martin Scorsese delivers the definitive documentary about the musician. And after you see it, says USA Today, you might have a new favorite Beatle. The film is being promoted quietly. Some London residents are getting troops and surface-to-air missiles on their rooftops for the Summer Olympics in August. British security officials identified potential sites for missiles on Monday and announced plans for security tests during the week. In the United States, NRA President Wayne LaPierre said, Man, why can't we do cool stuff like that? An Australian billionaire said that he'll build a high-tech replica of the Titanic at a Chinese shipyard and its maiden voyage in late 2016 will be from England to New York, just like its namesake planned. Weeks after the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the original Titanic, Clive Palmer announced Monday he has signed a memorandum of understanding with state-owned Chinese company CSC Jinling Shipyard to build the Titanic II. James Cameron will return to direct. 
Looks like two and a half men creator Chuck Lorre got one more jab at his former cast member turned nemesis Charlie Sheen. Sheen's character, Charlie Harper, who was killed off on the season premiere of the CBS hit last fall, came back to the show albeit in ghost form this past week. And that ghost was played by Harry's Lost star, Kathy Bates. For some reason, my TiVo forgot to record that episode, and that is why I strongly endorse TiVo as America's best DVR. See, it knows. You don't want to see this, PF. A woman whose skin is deeply bronze-colored from regular visits to a tanning salon has been accused of taking her five-year-old daughter into a tanning booth in violation of state law, burning the girl's skin. Through her attorney, Patricia Krenzel, 44, of Nutley, New Jersey, entered a... No, I'm not making that up. It is Nutley, New Jersey. Entered a plea of not guilty Wednesday in Superior Court to a charge of child endangerment. Prior to the hearing, Krenzel called the accusation a lie. Quote, it's all made up, she said. She told the Associated Press her daughter got sunburned by being outside on a recent warm day and from her after-school job at a local nuclear power plant. And that's been Fake News with me. The presidential race is in full swing now that Newt Gingrich has uh, removed himself from the race. Ron Paul is hanging in there, of course, on the GOP side. But, you know, essentially it's going to be Romney versus Obama. And, uh... Oh, I'm sorry. I left my Skype open. Let me just grab this real quick. Uh, hello? Hey, PF. This is Vice President Joe Biden. How are you? Oh, good. Wow, this is cool. Hey, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to call. This is great. I'm not really that busy, PF, and uh, no one else seems interested in talking to me. CNN, MSNBC. Had to come over to PF's tape recorder. Well, you, you do come off as kind of the quiet VP. You know, you're not in everybody's face. Uh, your predecessor, though, he was always out there, it seemed. Yeah, he was, and uh, it didn't help that I locked myself in his safe the first week on the job. You locked yourself in Cheney's safe? Yes, P.F. Vice President Cheney had a man-sized safe in his office, and the movers hadn't come by to pick it up. Uh, I was curious. I walked in. I uh, think maybe it was a cooler of some kind, and when the door closed behind me. I was in there for days. No one was ever like, hey, anyone seen Vice President Biden? So uh, how did you get out? Actually, it was Vice President Cheney. It was kind of embarrassing. Well, you seem to be doing more now. I saw that great speech you gave last week. Uh, Osama bin Laden is dead and GM is alive. That was good stuff. Well, yes, I'm very proud of that speech. You know, it took a while to settle on the right line. We, we had quite a few going there for a while. Uh, writing is rewriting, they say. Uh, yes, it is, and we tried all kinds of things. Oh, really? Such as? Well, uh, let me see here. We had... Uh... Uh, Ashton Kutcher is on Two and a Half Men, and Charlie Sheen isn't. Brad and Angelina are getting married, and Russell Brand and Katy Perry are getting divorced. Uh, LeBron is in Miami, and Tim Tebow is in New York. Uh, let's see what else we had here. MySpace is dead, and Facebook is alive. None of these seemed as catchy, though, that we finally settled down, so I'm, I'm glad we went through this list. Let me see what else we had here. Um, uh, we're closer than we've ever been to a college football playoff, and you can buy Yuling beer throughout the eastern United States. Uh, the Jonas Brothers have broken up, and we now have two bands called One Direction. Yeah, that's, that is some pretty good stuff, but uh, yeah, I think you guys settled on the right line there. Um, so, like, what do you do all day as vice president? Oh, well, you know, uh, I spend a lot of time on that list, and, uh, you know, I do vice president stuff, watch some TV. Hey, have you seen that uh, new show there, uh, Veep, with Julie Wee dreyfus she, she plays the vice president? Oh, yes, I saw a preview of that. It's, uh, it's uh, one of the perks of being VP. I get screeners. Hey, you know, I've always thought this job would make a good sitcom. All kinds of wacky things happening on a daily basis. Oh, yeah? Like what? 
Well, one time a bunch of us were uh, waiting for a table at a Chinese restaurant here in Washington, D.C. I, I dared Kathleen Sibelius to eat an egg roll off someone's plate, and, uh... Uh, excuse me, Mr. Vice President, I think that was an episode of Seinfeld from back in the 90s? Gosh, you know what, P.F., I think you're right. Well, in any case, plenty of hilarious things are happening at Blair House every day. You'll have to trust me. Well, I can imagine. Well, I must be off, P.F. I, I'm sure I have something to do somewhere. Adam Spiegelman is the host of two podcasts. Proudly resents the Bad Movie Podcast, and we're going to discuss the accuracy of that description in just a minute, as well as Dream Tweet, the game show to go. We discussed podcasting, how to get yourself on daytime court TV, and several other subjects. Here now is our interview with Adam Spiegelman. Joining us on PS Tape Reporter, it is Adam Spiegelman, the host of Proudly Resents, the Bad Movie Podcast, and the co-host of Dream Tweet, the first game show to go. Is that correct? Did I get the tagline right? That's right. It's the game show to go. We do, um, you find out what celebrity we're talking about from the tweets. From, we give you their tweets and you have to guess. And then the third one is one we made up that is, sounds like it would be theirs, like, you know, a funny one. Now, I first heard this on Jimmy Dore's show. And uh, I was really bad at it, surprisingly, considering I'm on Twitter a lot. And I figure, and I know a lot of celebrities. I figure, you know, I mean, I don't know them, know them, but I know of a lot of celebrities. I think, oh, this will be easy. And uh, boy, it was, I was awful. Now, the, the latest one that was on today, that just dropped, or today or the other day, I was actually pretty good at. Oh, yeah, that was with uh, Chris Gore. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think we made him easier. I, people always think they can, it's like Jeopardy. You think you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Rob Haravonian, who just goose-egged it, spoiler alert. But he was talking smack the whole time from New York. When I come to L.A., I'm going to kick ass on the show. I can't wait. Have me on. And then uh, nothing. Well, let's talk uh, Dream Tweets first. Um, how did you guys come up with this? It's one of these ideas you think, geez, why didn't I come up with that idea? It's just it's so simple yet so brilliant. Uh, thanks. It was actually uh, John Corbett, the host. It was his idea. I do a podcast that we'll talk about, hopefully, uh, probably resents. And I wanted him to come on and talk about films. He's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm too much of a snob. But I have this idea. Let's try it out. So we we played it, and he did the character that he does on the show, and he goofed on us and made fun of us, and uh, sounded like a sports night, and it was awesome. And I was like, wow, this is one of those moments where you're like, well, let's do this. We should do exactly just this. So uh, we put it out, and we know a lot of comedians, so that's why we use comedians as guests. Yeah. Just we don't know anyone else, <laughs> and um, so Jimmy Dore uh, gave us a lot of. Actually, a lot of listeners. We got a lot of attention from Jimmy Dore's show. And he was, hi. Those <laughs> yeah. two, if you listen to that, there's one actually, one of the answers is incorrect. And we said it was correct only because uh, they were high. Yeah. Uh, John was high. <laughs> yeah. I, and honestly, I don't smoke, but I had a contact high, I'm sure, because I was just like, what's going on, man? Yeah. Sitting in that room. So that, that show is a little hampered. But um, you know, we've had some great guests, Brian Scalero, Chris Gore. And uh, some really funny guys. So how far were you into the uh, the project when you appeared on Jimmy Dore Show? I think it, you only had a couple episodes in the can, no? Right, we didn't have that many. We had, okay. we had two or three. We only have like 12 up because uh, they took a lot of time to write and get the right person to do it, you know, and then produce it. So it takes a while to do. It's short. It's 15 minutes. Yeah. We try to make it only as long as it has to be. 
Yeah. That's... Uh, the Chris Gorbis says 20 minutes because Chris was trying to talk. <laughs> Chris was trying to talk as much as he could because he wanted to play it on his show and he wanted it to be longer. Oh, uh, okay. But normally shorter. If you look at the times and it's really short, that means it's a shutout. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Spo- <laughs> another spoiler alert. Um, yeah, I also imagine it's hard to coordinate getting everybody because you need to be kind of in the same room. You can't do it like, you know, over Skype like this. I mean, I guess you could. That'd be even harder, I imagine. Yeah, it would be harder because it's good to look at people and John yeah. kind of razzes people. We, we do it in his car, which is his idea. And oh, that's right, yeah. Really like that. We, we drive to comedy clubs and we'll grab two comics. And we'll bring him outside, and we'll record in the car. We just did Christian Finnegan and uh, oh, cool. David Faith. Uh, friend of the show, uh, Christian Finnegan. Uh, David we haven't had on yet. But, yeah, Christian's a, Christian's a good guy. Um, you guys a rematch because uh, oh, okay. I lost the first episode. So we did the first episode, second season. And we shot uh, – we shot. We recorded on Hollywood, off Hollywood Boulevard, which is really in the busy area. And while they were in the car recording, I was standing outside because the car's so small, telling people not to park there. Like, people just kept slowing down every four seconds, and I would just wave them off, and either they would move or they wouldn't believe me because they really wanted that spot. And there was a cop car across the street from us for most of the show, and they didn't do anything. It was shady. You know, three guys in a car recording <laughs> something, and one big guy standing outside, and they did nothing. Is that better? Yay. Okay, cool. So being on Hollywood Boulevard and looking shady, did you, any other places where you've run into trouble or uh, any other interesting things happen uh, while you guys are in the car, uh, you know, pedestrians coming by or? Uh... Well, you know, it's Hollywood. They walk by and they're like, you know, what is that? Can I get on it? You know, they want to know. <laughs> Can I get a credit for that? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, we recorded outside um, Bar Lubitsch. Uh, they have a good comedy show on Thursday nights. And. But we we park the only place you can find parking. It's not easy to find parking. It's one of the problems. Oh uh, yeah, it was near a fire station. So twice during the episode, uh, the fire trucks came out right in the middle of the episode. Uh. <laughs> it was some fire ruining our show. Wow, you don't you don't see that on Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? No, no, never not at all. Hold on, hey, we got fire trucks are coming out. There you go. Okay, so this grew out of well, sort of grew out of you had done, you were doing a podcast already and still do it. The uh, very enjoyable proudly resents. How did you uh, come up with the idea for that? I was like, what's really enjoyable? And I said, how about that? No, I'm obsessed with uh, good bad movies with cult films. So I talk about it all the time. I'm part of at least two bad movie clubs. Uh, I just I'm, I just love it, and um, I thought, well, this would be a great podcast. You know, something I'm passionate about, something I'm crazy about. So. Just get different people, and again, a lot of comedians, but to talk about their favorite good, bad film, their favorite cult film, and I've actually been able to get people who make the films. Oh, the show, yeah. Which is, which is good. Like, there's a movie called The Room, which is kind of like the Star Wars of good, bad films. It's kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. It has a life of its own. It's oh, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah. Great. It's great to see live, you know, um, at midnight with people throwing spoons at the screen and yeah. screaming stuff at it. So I got the guy who actually directed the movie, who's a real lunatic. So the interview was just all over the place. I don't know why I thought I was going to get a straight interview. <laughs> but, it was, you know, that's the fun part because the guy's crazy. But then there's a guy who came out of the woodwork who claims that he actually directed The Room. Like, after the movie became a hit, a cult hit, this guy came out of the woodwork and said, Oh, no, it's me. I did all the good stuff. <laughs> so we talked to him for a half hour. That was great. And did you buy his story or was he... Be full of crap. I'll, I'll tell you, like, he was there. He was the script supervisor. Ah. Uh. 
And I do believe he made all the calls. And he says that Tommy Wiseau, who's the director, said, and a great wacko character, said, uh, I want you to tell actors where to stand and to yell cut and action. And the guy says, so I'm the director? No, I am director. <laughs> you direct. So that makes total sense. And it's part of the lore. Like, Tommy just wanted to be famous. You know, he didn't really want to make a movie. Yeah. And now he's infamous. So uh, it's close enough, I think. Yeah. Now, when I first started listening to the show, I got, you know, good, bad movies, I was kind of confused. But I would say an, another way to describe it for folks is uh, more like um, movies you love, but that are also flawed. Because yeah, the more flawed, the better. Yeah, because again, when Chris Gore was on Logan's Run, I'm like, that's, that's one of my favorite movies. But yet, as you start to go through it, yeah, there's a lot of things in it that are kind of, you know, weird. And you, you start thinking about it too much. You're like, well, wait a second. <laughs> But uh, that's what he said. When I, I hadn't watched it the first time, I watched it after Chris recommended it, and I had the same reaction as you. It's like, this is good. Yeah. But there's a lot of a uh, lot of dated things, a lot of things like this, throwing as much free sex as you were saying as they, as they could. Oh yeah. You know, get the R rating, get people into you know, science fiction. You got to sure. throw in topelessness. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, of, I guess they call it retrofuturism. Uh, that's like, a great you know, term. The old Star Trek Lost in Space. Somebody on Tumblr uh, has a I, – I was I was applying for this job and uh, for, with some web startup, and they said, well, if you don't have a Tumblr, get a Tumblr and put stuff on there that you're interested in so we can get out of you what you're like. And I happened to find this other Tumblr uh, uh, person, a blogger, had a thing called retrofuturism, and it was all these pictures from the 60s of what they thought the future was going to look like. Like, you know, right. you, you take this big flying bus somewhere, and there's this family standing in this flying bus station, and – just stuff like that, I, I think it's so cool. Well, a Total Recall, the original one, is so awesome for that because it's so dated, even though it's the future. And there's one point yeah. where Sharon Stone, again dated, and her hair dated. Uh, she's watching TV, and the TV is on the wall, which it is now, but it's smaller. The TV part is small. And then when she clicks it over to uh, a picture, the picture takes up the whole screen. So, like, even in the 80s, like, there's no way a television <laughs> would fill up a whole frame like that. It's yeah. got to be smaller, square, you know. Yeah. Um, Lost was kind of like that for a while with the hatch and everything. It was, wasn't was even, like, it was supposed to, I guess, the hatch was supposed to have been built in the 70s, I guess we're supposed to believe, the late 70s. But it doesn't even look like technology from the 70s. It looks like what people in the 70s thought the 90s would look like, which was, <laughs> was such a, a, a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lost is amazing too. That someone could talk about for hours. Oh yeah, I finally got uh, season six on DVD, and my nephew and his girlfriend last summer watched it as a marathon, like over the course of like four or five days. And uh, I wish I had the time to do that because um, there's all kinds of things you just you forget, and you're like, oh yeah, this guy was this guy, and yeah, oh. By the end of the fifth day, you can be very disappointed. Yeah, and then they go, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so what are, what else do you do besides uh, doing the podcast? I know you were you were a busy man yesterday. You were uh, busy. We barely got this interview in today because you were running around Hollywood at all kinds of meetings. I'm a big Hollywood maca, you know, <laughs> mahadra. Meetings are uh, interviews where there's no job. You just talk uh, to people. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing really on the table. I'm actually going to one in, uh, in an hour. Okay. Um, but uh, I produce television shows. I produce talk, talk mostly comedy shows. Uh, I just did a pilot for TBS for Tom Papa. We'll find out if that gets picked oh, up. Oh, cool. I've, I've interviewed him before. Oh, yeah. He's great. Yeah, he's a and nice guy. Really funny guy. And then, you know, I worked on, for George Lopez on his show. And then okay. uh, we came alive. I worked on that before that. And before that, I did crazy daytime court shows 
Judge oh. Joe Brown, Divorce Court, and even Richard Bay Show. I don't know if you know that show. Yeah, yeah. I remember Richard Bay Show. Yeah, he used to be on WOR way back in the day. WOR was in New Jersey. It's yeah. a local state. That's right. So myself and everyone else would leave New York and take the bus into New Jersey to see caucus at the armpit of New Jersey. Yeah. While everyone from New Jersey is coming out and you'd see people you know coming into the city why, to work. Why are you going into New Jersey? What's wrong with you? Yeah, it was our station and, and uh, a shoe outlet. It was the only thing there. So um, uh, doing the court shows, I guess, is how you're friends with Sharon Houston then? No, we did stand-up together for a okay. while back in the nights, And then I was at Judge Joe Brown, and I recommend she needed work, and I thought she'd be great as an associate producer because it's it's just talking. It's a lot of fun. Where you get on the phone. Like if you put, if you try to, if you file for a small claims case, uh, you could get on the show. People go around to all the courthouses and write down interesting cases. So if you file and you want to be on TV, what you should do is put in the description all the good details. You know, I'm suing my sister. I'm suing my brother. Uh, just just to make it sound interesting, and then yeah. the TV people run. So. You just call. You get a stack, literally a stack of sheets of paper, and you just call these people and see if they're interesting, and see if they're interested in coming on the show. Cool. Uh, Sharon was supposed to do a voice on my podcast for a, a wacky fake spot I was doing, and she hasn't done it yet. So. Oh, because she's a jerk. She's yeah. not a good person. <laughs> so I'm, I'm calling her out. And she wished me happy birthday on Facebook, and I was going to say, hey, if I have it for a birthday present, you just record that little spot real quick. So, yeah, come on, uh, Sharon. I it's think, your birthday, for Christ's sakes. I think the problem yeah. is people actually listen to the show, and then they kind of get skittish. They like coming on to be interviewed, but when, when I'm getting involved in my wacky skits, people are kind of like, mm, yeah, because I'm trying to get some comedians from here in Cincinnati on, and they're kind of like, well, no, I'd rather do something different. Could we... Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> well, can can we talk about me? That's what the comics. Yeah, yeah. What, what if I get to talk about myself? Yeah, but well, I mean, they you know they all do skits here and stuff. There's a, a big improv troupe that they're all part of, and uh, you know, my bag is more making fun of stuff on the radio slash podcasting. But you know, can't get people to come over and play. What what can I say? Oh, so you live in Cincinnati? We just did. Yeah. Well, you how did you wind up an extra in? The Fish to Save Pittsburgh show we just did. Oh, well, for folks listening, this is how, uh, well, Adam and I kind of know each other through Facebook and stuff and through uh, mutual friends. Uh, I'm friendly with Jackie Cation, who says you're a good egg. And anyway, uh -huh. um, the latest episode of Proudly Resents is about a movie called The Fish to Save Pittsburgh, and I happen to be an extra in that along with my brother back in 1979, and I just posted on the, the Facebook page that we're all on, all us podcasters, and said, hey, I was an extra in this movie. And uh, my dad lived in Pittsburgh then. I'm from Cleveland, but he lived down in Pittsburgh, and my brother and I were there for the uh, summer, and his secretary heard that they needed extras for this movie because they were shooting it in the Civic Arena, and they did a big, big crowd scene. And uh, we went down there and spent the day down there, and... Um, I can't remember what scene. Oh, the scene we're in, I just remembered, is uh, they go roll out the rack of basketballs, and they've been filled with helium. And I believe the idea is they're trying to delay the start of the championship game against the Los Angeles team. The, right, the, they the, couldn't the, say Lakers. The, pur the purple and black. They couldn't even use purple and gold because they were afraid they'd get sued. But yes, the Los Angeles team, they're trying to delay the start of the game because I guess uh, they're waiting for the stars to align or some crap. And they fill the basketballs with helium, and we're all supposed to react to these basketballs flying up into the air. They're filled with helium. Oh, whoa. So a lot of that. And then I was also in uh, Extra in Gung Ho. Yeah, how was that? That was a lot of fun. That was a lot more fun, actually. Um, my friend and I, it was in a, there was an airport across the street from our housing development we lived in. And uh, so we just went over there, and we weren't actually paid extras. But we, we acted like we were. The first day, they set up this big, Paramount set up this big, long tray of food along the driveway that le le leads into the airport. 
And uh, we asked us, hey, could we, you know, grab a bite? You know, and they said, no, only the pay- it's only for the paid extras and the actors. And we're like, okay. So on our way out to walk back to my buddy's house, we just uh, grabbed all big plates of food and walked back to his house and ate them. Next day, they set up the uh, all the commissary stuff behind a hangar where yeah, we, could, where we couldn't get to it. Yeah, exactly. So, but what can you do? Yeah, so we talked about, oh, and I just did an interview with um, Robert Morton, who I work for, but he was the executive producer of David Letterman. That's right, yeah. Uh, and he switched over from NBC to CBS. So I got him to talk about the movie Late Shift that was based on that. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, I gotta see that. So uh, it, the movie is great. Like uh, you know, for comedy nerds, the books are great. The uh, Bill Carter books about late night television, but the movie is really good because it's so again like badly done. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like it's shot like a porno because it's video. The music comes in at a weird time. It's obviously canned music that they bought from you know somebody they use everywhere else. The acting is a little bit over the top. The makeup is ridiculous. I was going to say the like guy Leno. doing exactly the guy that does Leno. I've I've seen the clips of it. Yeah, it's a little overdone trying to get that chin. It's like uh, they really wanted that yeah. chin. They thought that chin would sell it. I know. And Letterman uh, even said, uh, "What the hell? I don't have red hair." <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And then he said, "It's not like you can't find a picture of me." He's <laughs> like I'm on TV every night. It's cool. weird they picked right there. and they actually they had the the actor who played Letterman booked on Letterman, but Letterman wow. uh, we find out purposely had him bumped, like he just oh stalled, wow, stalled. so huh. yeah, cool. So when does this episode drop? Uh, probably next week or the week after, because uh, probably next week. And then we talk. Then he talked more about television. That was really interesting. If you yeah, you like comedy. TV. I mean, he's the guy, you know, the history of television. So yeah, well, I go back with uh, Letterman all the way to the daytime show. Yeah, uh, Morty said he was offered a daytime show and he yeah. turned it down. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which is okay. a terrible move. <laughs> Alrighty. He says why on the show. Well, at this point, uh, um, if, do you have any, anything else you needed to, to plug there? No, I, I'm uh, going to a bar mitzvah. I'm having a yard sale Saturday. If you guys can come by. Okay, folks in Los Angeles. Oh, that this will plop Sunday night, so. People will miss. Ah, it. come yeah. on! Guys. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm... All right, yard tails are big in Southern California. Jackie Kishner was talking about that with uh, Wendy Liebman and somebody else on on uh, the Dork Forest. It's as soon as you start pulling stuff out of your garage at six o'clock in the morning, people are lined up on your street. <laughs> and it seems like people have uh, garage sales. Same people every weekend. Yes, yes, that's the other big thing. And so I, I wouldn't think that in Southern. You think that'd be a more Midwestern thing, and it's really not. Well, the weather's always good. So oh, there you go. Up. Get rid of get rid of their crap. All right, sir. Well, sounds like things are going well for you there in Southern California with all those meetings yeah, and like such. Yeah, going well. Okay. Well, uh, continued success in your meetings. And, uh, Thanks. And, uh, yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll do this again soon. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. All right, Adam. All right. On. Glad Bye. we got this worked out. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Adam Spiegelman for being on the show. A word as I may turn up on Proudly Resents. I'll need to think of a movie to discuss. Uh, I do have a few ideas. Uh, You can find Proudly Resents at ProudlyResents.com. Dream Tweet is available at ProudlyResents forward slash and then uh, new-podcast-dream-tweet. You probably should just Google it and it would come right up. 
PF Tape Recorder was featured on the Succotash Show, episode 23. It's a podcast about podcasts, among other things. They played part of our Lizard Lick towing bit from episode 30. PF Tape Recorder logo, designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at Tigerdactyl on Twitter. And uh, Dan and his friend Tony are in the midst of putting together their very own podcast, so stay tuned for more details on that. Music for PF Tape Recorder by John Baropoulos and Doug O'Connor, with a little help from me. Like us on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at PF66. And that's all the business we have on the agenda for this week, except to say so long and thanks for listening. (laughs) 